Well, hello, everybody. This is your boy, Jake. Just It's just the boys today, you it's know? It's just the boys today. That's right. It's the boys, and the boys are back in town. Mondays are for the boys. Mondays are for the boys. I mean, or I guess Wednesdays. Are oh, yeah. Future, your future oh, people yeah. out there. It's all right, though. Do a little bit of time travel, but it's good context um, because, you know, there's always that potential of some news dropping. ACC is meeting today or has met today, right, on the potential of adding some teams. I think they're meeting right now, like as probably we speak. Probably right now. Did you not get the Zoom invite? Because I didn't either. I did not. Our credentials probably haven't processed yet. They didn't want to hear from me. Yeah, no, they did not want you in that room. No. They, that is- and that's a smart decision because I'd be telling all of them, just blow it all up. That's exactly right. But, yes, yeah, so we are here on Monday night, but, um, man, Dan, we had some football on Saturday. Yeah. Not, not that it was, you know, what we've got ahead here, but it was football. It was it was it was some fun football. Uh, I thought yeah. Notre Dame looked pretty dang good. Sam Hartman. Ooh. Yeah, man. Watch out. Wearing his watch. rib on his neck. <laughs> that was Ooh. Like I mean, that's some voodoo juju. Voodoo mama juju. <laughs> Definitely. You know, it's it's kind of I make fun of Notre Dame every season because there's it always feels like they get the obligatory top ten ranking. Oh yeah. When no. they don't deserve it. And this year they're not in the top ten. And I feel like they absolutely deserve to be in the top ten. Like I don't know what happened there. I think I'm with you. Yeah. The um, one year that they're not. Maybe this is what they needed. They needed to get humbled a little bit. Maybe. They were impressive, uh offensively. Defensively, you know, they let some drives occur, but that's going to happen when you play a triple option team. But they, the score line, I mean, to only let up three points off on a field goal late in the fourth quarter, they just they just showed up and showed out. I think Notre Dame's going to be a problem. They looked like a problem, and yeah. it is kind of one of those. All right, what's Navy? Is this, you know, good Navy, bad? Like we're yeah. going to see more, I guess. New head coach, Navy. You know, yeah, and it's the first game of the season, you know, but. It definitely Notre Dame took care of their business. There mm-hmm. was no slow start on their end. Um, talking about their defense, USC's defense s- still still looking out there. Iffy, the, yeah. It the, was uh, when everyone told me that Lincoln Riley brought in Alex Grinch. You know, it's it's everything I expected. <laughs> We've seen this yeah. movie before at Oklahoma. <laughs> well, I uh, I was. I was a little more optimistic uh, after, especially in last week's episode, and now I'm not as optimistic. Just at least on the defense. I mean, Lincoln Riley's made it to the college football playoff before with no defense. But give them give them their flowers, though. San Jose State has been a pretty good program for the past couple of years, and for them to go throw the ball around wasn't super surprising. But yeah, like come on, USC, you gotta you gotta cover that game. Like goodness gracious. Yeah, and. Yeah, no, it was a little bit of a slow start for him. I'm sure right there coming up to halftime, people were probably freaking out, wondering what's going on. But the game ended as I think we thought it would. But, yeah. And then, hey, Hawaii and Vanderbilt, had that not gone into a lightning delay, I would have probably stayed up and watched the rest of that one. Um, Pretty solid ball game. It was a fun game. It was a fun game. I, I wish the stadium was complete. In Nashville <laughs> to match the excitement of that game. That would have been cool. But, uh, yeah, no, that was a fun game. Vanderbilt 
I think I think they're going to mess around, and I, I'm not going. I'm not one of those idiots at SEC Media Days picking them to win the East, but gosh, no, they might mess ridiculous. around, win seven or eight. I don't know, man. They seven or eight. They might. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's going to. I guess also we'll see what Hawaii does because mm-hmm. it's like if that is just going to turn out to be an absolutely terrible Hawaii team, then it's just Vandy stacking up with someone else that's in their in their league, but. Both of those teams come out and handle some business. Yeah, better watch out for the Commodores. Absolutely. Did you uh, – I fully expect this out of the Georgia fan that you are. Did you ring in the college football season with uh, Netflix's Swamp Kings the way I did? I didn't. As someone who has not yet watched it, can I assume you did. I have, yeah. I watched it all very, very quickly. Can you tell me why – I or someone who's not watched it needs to go and check this thing out. Um, no free ads, but I mean, you know. Well, I may not tell you to do that. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I was very excited about this for the main reason of my entry point into college football was when Florida under Urban Meyer sat on the throne of college football right in that 2006-2007 era and then growing up following the sport from there on out. Some of the players from that team fell on hard times. 41 of the players on the 08 National Championship team got arrested. Yeah. Here's the problem, though. The documentary doesn't tell you that. Like, what? No, it, they don't go into this. There's barely a mention of Aaron Hernandez. I mean, I understand why you don't want to center a doc around Hernandez. Well, sure. You talk about him. They didn't talk about that situation. There was barely a mention of Riley Cooper at all. The only thing we know about Chris Rainey from this documentary is that he liked to go to Urban Meyer's house and eat spaghetti and watch cartoons with his kids sometimes. They don't go into the whole text message debacle and any of that. Like, they just, they they shied away from, oh my gosh. And they don't even go into Percy Harvin, like, at all. Percy Harvin's like a side character in this. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's the poor job. If you opportunities missed a hundred percent, they kind of fumbled this. If you're a Florida fan and you want to go relive the glory days and get an inside look at what those seasons were like, go ahead. But that's not what I wanted out of this. I wanted a more in-depth study of these teams and these players with what happened during school and what happened off the field. Now it's fun. If you like guys like a, like a Brandon Seiler or a Brandon Spikes or they're kind of prominently in the front of that documentary and they're really cool guys. So it's fun to like hear their side of the story, but like you don't get anything new. I love Tim Tebow, but dang it. He's just, I don't know, man. He's just so corny and cheesy. <laughs> like, well, yeah, man, but that's Tim. That's, I know. He, that's what he does. That's yeah. He's just, uh, it just, everything out of his mouth during that whole documentary was just, inspirational quote meme like all day long i mean i don't think he speaks any other language he that's true i knew this going in too i don't know why i'm you know i thought tim tebow was gonna you know really change my perspective on the late 2000s florida gators but there's also not a lot of a mention of like i mean they talk about with urban meyer and how he was like kind of battling depression there at the end when he quit and then came back for a season and then quit again um 
they just really didn't go in depth with any of it. And that was kind of disappointing. So, so you, like you had said, this is a way for like a Florida fan to go back and watch this and relive it maybe without all the trauma and the yeah. disappointment. Yeah. See, no, that that's not why I would show up for this. At yeah. All. I wasn't the target market for this. Cause I, and it was kind of the same deal of why I wouldn't recommend the Johnny Manziel documentary to some people, but I was the target market for the Johnny Menzel documentary. I just wanted to see cool highlights of him and hear a little bit of his side of the story. And that's what you got, but you didn't learn anything new from that. Same here, de- same deal here with Swamp Kings, which is weird for a, a documentary series called Untold. We're not told anything new. <laughs> like, <laughs> And that's the way it seems to track. Like you said, with the Johnny Menzel, it's like, well, you're going to know everything if you live through this. Mm-hmm. And now with the Florida one, it's like, well, we didn't really talk about all the stuff you didn't see. It's just more of what you knew and you saw. So they, I mean, that's fine, but maybe rethink the title untold to yeah. foretold or something. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of fun to get a look back into that era of college football. And it was shocking to see like how they trained. Like they were doing like military mat drills and like wrestling each other. Like it was like, 100% if an AD walked into a practice like that in today's era of college football, they are immediately fired. Even if it's Nick Saban, they're done. Like, there, there's no way that's continuing. But It was probably Tebow's idea. Oh, probably. Oh, Tebow is a maniac. Okay, they would talk about Brandon Sp- – okay, Brandon Spikes is a pretty big, hulking, intimidating guy, right? He talked about they used to do these, like, midnight workouts – he, he just talked about how difficult they were. And he was like, it was really hard for me to push through those. And then they cut to Tebow, and Tebow's like, those were the greatest nights of my life. Of <laughs> course. Just, Everyone else was just committing misdemeanors and felonies galore. Like, this is college. And Tim was like, those midnight workouts, man. Yeah. Tebow. That was my college experience. I'll never forget it. Tebow was, like, painting his face in camo and, like, <laughs> going in with, like a, a like, a no shirt and these, like, jean shorts like just ready to take on the world and brandon spikes is like dude like it's been an hour i want to go to bed (laughs) it's on brand if anything man you just got to be loyal to the brand all right well let's go ahead and flip this coin then i guess it was your toss last week okay so i'm I'm, i'll toss it and now i'm gonna oh we, we have a stipulation here because we have a a segment later in the show where whoever doesn't win the coin toss gets to get the first pick in a segment later on. Now, if you win the coin toss and defer, I'm going to say, I'm going to go ahead and say you get the first pick later. So the option is either to begin with your topic and then go second later in the segment we have Mm -hmm. or defer and go first later. Yeah, I get it. Okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and just continue to call tails and say that it never fails. Okay. Even though that's not two, always true. Two weeks in a row it's failed. And it's heads. So your go there. Three Dan. in a row. I'm going to keep just defiantly calling tails. I don't care. It's going to come around one day. My ship's going to come in. And it's going to happen. This is our this is our year. One of these yes. years. Exactly. Uh, I'll, I'll take the ball. I'll go ahead and get my coin toss topic out of the way. Sick. Because right, everyone wants to hear about it. I mean. Oh, no. 
I I just insist that we talk about tennis. How's that? It's a good thing you went first. Yeah, <laughs> let's go ahead. But it's okay because this isn't just like some regional tournament in Europe that you were like, this is happening right now. I mean, this is the U.S. Open. This so. is this is the Super Bowl of the sport. This is the biggest thing that happens all year in Yeah, tennis. if we were going to talk about it, it has to be now. Yeah. It started off today. It's been fun. I, I've been I've been watching on and off when when available, and uh, yeah, it's been a fun day in Flushing Meadows. Uh, we're gonna go ahead and kick it off with the favorites on the men's side. Everyone knows that this is a two horse race. If you follow Everybody. tennis at all, you know about the legend of the game, probably the best player to ever walk on a court, and he's just continuing to add to his legacy right now. And that's Novak Djokovic. He's coming in as the overall number one seed. The overall number two seed, the guy he just beat in Cincinnati last week, Carlos Alcaraz. Carlos Alcaraz is 20 years old. I was going to say, I thought he was a young guy. He's a young, young, young guy. He has won two majors, one of those majors being the U.S. Open last year. He's coming in as the reigning champ. He also beat Djokovic on center court on Championship Sunday at Wimbledon just over two months ago. I thought it was 10. Wimbledon. Wimble, well, it depends on where you're from. Okay, sorry. In Georgia, we say Wimbledon. Okay, gotcha. Wimbledon. I to try and catch you. He beat him at Wimbledon. Well, we would probably say Wimbledon. Wimbledon. But beat him over at Wimbledon. Yeah, Wimbledon. Uh, there next to Houston, Wimbledon, Georgia. Ain't <laughs> <laughs> that where Jake Braun's from? <laughs> <laughs> hey, from Wimbledon, over Don't by Chubtown. <laughs> yeah, go dog, sick. Of, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, um, I'll never. You, I don't know how you name new towns, but man, if there's one in the state, sometime Wimbledon. Wimbledon. Woo. Anyway, uh, so Alcaraz obviously has a big pedigree coming in. He is very young, but he has held the number one ranking for most of this season although Djokovic has it at the moment. A lot of people see this as a two-horse race. I would agree. Uh, they are on both sides of the draw right now. I could really see a collision course for those two guys. Other guys that are just kind of outside the crust there, obviously 2021 U.S. Open champ, Daniil Medvedev. I think you fun all to say. Fun to say, Medvedev. Medvedev, yeah. Uh, fun to say. He's not fun to watch, though. I'm, yeah, he's kind of he's kind of annoying. Um mm. Like, I, like I've said to you before, this is a weird era of tennis in the men's side because we just got through the golden era. Nadal, Federer, Djokovic in there, all three of those guys owning the sport, winning titles. Now it's just kind of Djokovic. He's got open season on these young guys coming through, and the young guys coming through are just very bratty, blonde hair, Eastern European guys that have temper issues. <laughs> and... <laughs> They're, it's kind of not exciting to watch. Alcaraz is the only guy that I would say is pretty affable and likable, and he's kind of ascended to the top of the sport. Another guy is Yannick Sinner from Italy. He's probably got the best chance outside of the top two to win a title. He's barely 20. He can barely drink alcohol. He's only 21 years old, and he's really starting to put together some deep runs in tournaments. He hasn't been able to break through and win a final yet or get to a final for that matter, but I don't know. Just keep an eye on him throughout the tournament. And you also got last year's finalist, Casper Rude. He's he's been Ooh, to that's a name. I like it. Yeah, from from uh, Norway. I think he's from Norway. One of the Scandinavian countries. He's from. 
Nice. And uh, yeah, he's been to three out of the last seven Grand Slam finals, but he's 0 for 3 so far. So we'll see if he can put one together. On the women's side, we're entering an era where every tournament is going to be owned by Iga Sviatek. She is a robot. She is... The name sounds like it, yeah. She shows no emotion. She just shows up and is just better than everyone, and she just just kicks the crap out of people. What happened to... um the female tennis star who was like on top of the world and then she took a break and did she ever come back? Na- I'm sorry. Naomi Osaka? Yes, yes. Still still on leave. Okay, understood. Yeah. Um That's a but topic so it's for the, another it's the day. Robot. Okay. But so now it's the robot's turn. It's the robot's turn and it's funny they had that series on Netflix called Breakpoint and they kind of followed her around a little bit and they tried to drum up some drama with her about how like well, on the outside, she looks like she's got it all together. But really, she struggles with uh, the routine and day-to-day of being a champion. But, like, they kept that up for, like, an episode. And then episode, by episode two, it was like, no, she's just, like, better than everyone. And she doesn't even care. Uh, she's right. the heavy favorite coming in. She's already won two majors this year so far. Outside of her, I really don't see anybody having a shot. Maybe a Coco Goff. Maybe a Sabalenka. Coco Goff is on my television right now, so this is fun. But oh, nice, real time. Yeah, one-one. Uh, she needs to pick it up. Let's let's get it going for the country. Speaking of the country, let's try and get some American champs. This is the U.S. Open, by all means. Let's get a, let's get an American champ. So I think Coco Goff's got the best shot on the women's side. On the men's side, I would say number nine seed Taylor Fritz. He's had a really good past couple of seasons. Also, a guy who made the semifinals in Australia this year, Tommy Paul. He was a Georgia Bulldog for Let's a go. for about nine seconds. Hey, nine seconds, once a dog, always a dog. That's Come right. On, brother. DGD, brother. That's uh, exactly right. He committed to Georgia, and then he was like the next day, he was like, nah, actually, I think I'm going to go pro. And uh, yeah. Well, it's not like he left and went to Dagum, Florida or something. No. I mean, the guy just went on to be a professional. That's right. I'm with him. Um, went, I'll back him. That's my guy. He went that's and got his, If that's your guy, you picked a good guy because he is very fun to watch, and a, a lot of people have him as a dark horse to kind of get in here and do something this, this tournament. So those are kind of the challengers. I would say Coco really the only one that can stand up. It's just can she mentally put it together for seven matches in a row? We've seen her make a final before. We've seen her in the past couple of years get to a few quarters. It's just can you can you maturely put together seven consecutive performances? I, I think she can. I think she's there. She's 19 years old now. We first saw her when she was 15 at Wimbledon. She's only gotten better each year. I think she's about to step into her championship phase, and maybe it's starting at the end of this year. And then on the men's side, there's so many good young talent that just hasn't broken through yet. I, do, I don't think this is the tournament, though. I just think this is – the collision course for the two bullies on the street right now, Djokovic and Alcaraz. I'd love to see them square off in the final for a rematch of of Wimbledon, as you like to say. I, I refrained from saying it last time that you said it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that's where we're at with the U.S. Open. Uh, we'll check back in a fortnight, as they like to call it, in a couple weeks and uh, let you know how it turned out. So feel free to tune in. Tennis is the best sport in the world. It's growing. Feel free to take some interest. So, yeah, there's my U.S. Open preview for you. Nice. I hope you got your ad dollars there. I did. Did you feel your time? I did. Yeah. Tennis is paying me a lot. 
for this. Oh yeah, man. I know they're really, really filling your account right now. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, no, Tommy Paul, I'm, I'm looking at it now. So yeah, he's moved along already. Excellent. Oh, he already won. Oh, sorry. Oh no, you're yeah. good. You're good. Yeah, he did. Oh, good for him. Let's go. America. Awesome. That's my America. guy. Oh, uh, four seed on the men's side, Holger Rune. He lost today. Mm. So upset's already starting to flood in. Well, it looks like him and uh, Paul and Tiafo are going to knock each other out. Oh, shoot. I don't enjoy that. I got to go with my guy, Big Foe, on that one. Wow. Well, you and I will be at odds that day. Well, we'll get one of them. As long as we it, we're this is for country. True. So we'll get True. one of them. But yeah, I wish they would spread the draw out a little bit so we don't just we're like we're like the Pac-12. We just we just kind of assault <laughs> each other, <laughs> and then it's, it's like right, man. we get to the quarterfinals and they're like, well, there's only one American man left, and it's like, yeah, because they all played each other like three rounds yeah. ago, or whatever. We gotta I'll, mix this thing up. I'll get off my soapbox. All right. Oh, it's all good. Yeah. No. Speaking of Pac-12, that's perfect segue. Thank you, Dan. Um, are we good to go ahead and, and turn the coin over? Oh yeah. It all ties back to college football in the end. Oh man. We had some football this past weekend. It was just, it was an appetizer. This weekend is the entree. This is, this is, you're going to be able to sit down on your couch and your recliner, wherever have you, and you can just watch football all day long. And if you can like stretch the long weekend, you know, we got Labor Day coming up, Mm -hmm. just go ahead and take off Thursday and you can just plant yourself there for the whole weekend. I mean, start the bad boy on Thursday and just ride it out. Um, so on my side of the coin, we're just going to do a little preview, a little bit of pick them here. All um, right. We've got coming up this weekend. And um, perfectly enough, as you mentioned, the Pac-12, Thursday night, 8 o'clock, you've got Florida, those old Swamp Kings we just talked about, Swamp Lizards, if you ask me, coming up against number 14, Utah. Man, what a game last year. When I was looking at this, kind of doing a little preview and watched the end of the game last year, just, I mean, nuts. Just seeing that two-point conversion play in your head again. Yes. I mean, it was insane, and I don't know if we'll get that again this year, but that was a gem last time. And so you've got coming into this game, Utah is just about a touchdown favorite, but they're giving you that wonderful little hook. So they're a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Over-under is 46. Um, I'd say one of the things to watch here is how Cam Rising is going to come out because he's coming off of that injury, and this is the first game of the year. We saw him get stunned last year in the swamp whenever they almost had it and then lost it. So they're going to be coming out at odds a little bit with quarterback coming back from injury, first game of the year. I mean, we saw Utah finish, I mean – as well as you could hope for them last year, but the year did not start on such a great foot. So it's going to be interesting to see how they start out this year. Uh, Dan, what do you think about this game here on Thursday night? This is one of the more appetizing games of the weekend. I, a lot of people are talking about Cam Rising coming in, deservedly so. I think this game is ultimately about Graham Mertz. Oh, okay. So, Utah's going to be limited in their offense. They're not going to be running Cam Rising around a lot, but they're going to be efficient. He's a good, accurate passer. They're going to – I don't want to say they're going to be one-dimensional because they can still run the ball, but they're going to be playing a basic form of offense. Florida, on the other hand, is going to be trying to figure some things out. they got a lot of new faces on defense. They're going to be trying to gel. If Graham Mertz has a big game, 
that's going to give them a shot. If if they come out humming in the passing game and it opens up things for Trevor Etienne and and that running game, Florida might have a shot. For me though, I I think I think Utah is just a little deeper. They're playing that game at Utah. They've had all, people were talking about Utah as a playoff team last year, and then they lose that game in Gainesville. And it, it, like, derailed their season. So I feel like there's a lot of bitterness for the Gators on their side this year, and they've had a whole offseason to think about how that game just kind of threw everything off from the start. I think they're going to come out ready to play, and I got, I got Utah winning this. Yeah, man, I'm with you. I have Utah winning as well. I'm, I'm going to wait and see on Graham Mertz. I mean, call me a pessimistic Georgia fan. I just don't know that he's he's the guy. But We don't have to be a Georgia fan to be a little – a little hesitant about Graham Mertz. I mean, we saw this guy at Wisconsin. Uh, it's just, what is he going to look like? He's the unsure factor here. I know Rising's hurt, but I'm still sure that he's going to pitch a good game, as as they say, and come in and play well. So, yeah, I'm with you yeah. on Utah. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, the thing for me I think about is you went from Anthony Richardson to Graham Mertz, mm-hmm. and that's just going to be tough, that transition and seeing how that plays out with their offense this year. Two totally different styles of quarterback. But I agree with you. I think Utah wins. I think that they cover. I have this game as something like a 35-24. I could see it getting close, staying close for a little bit. Uh, But ultimately, I think Utah pulls away and wins this one. And even though last year was so much fun, I don't know that we're going to see quite the same type of game here in the end, uh, just given how Utah had a little bit of momentum on the season ending last year. Once you move on out of there, uh, we're going to go ahead and move into Saturday. Uh, we're going to hit some of the more notable games. Of course, week one, there are plenty of cupcakes to be eaten out there. Mm-hmm. Just um, some warm-up games, you know, glorified scrimmages, if you would. So we're going to talk about some games with some legit competition. Uh, noon, you've got Colorado, Coach Prime. Going to see TCU number 17 after their runner-up finish there in the college football playoff. Uh, soon to be conference members here. So something that could get more and more of that over the years to come. There's a little bit of excitement around that. TCU is a 21-point favorite. And I just don't really know what to make of this line because I do not think just because Coach Prime is at Colorado – it's going to change it's going to change that program but i don't see them crossing the 500 mark this year but at the same time TCU just came out of the college football playoff national championship game a very different team and yet they're still a 21 point favorite i i just don't know i feel like it could go either way uh, but it's going to be fun to see you know TCU still does bring back some production on their defense. They return their top three tacklers. I think TCU is going to win this one. Um, 21 points is just a lot. It's a big line. Yeah, Colorado could have that momentum with Coach Prime in there and do the thing, but it's just – it's a lot, Um, especially with them being a very different team this year than last year. So I say that Colorado covers. See this game as something like a 31-14. to Uh, What have you got, Dan? Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I just Colorado is very far away from being competitive to me. Like they're gonna be, but it's gonna it's gonna be a two to three year build at at the earliest for them. 
I mean, the mass exodus, we all, we've all been hearing about it at nauseum over the offseason. I just – TCU's still got some players. Uh, they're not going to go back to the playoff, but they're going to have a good team. Chandler Morris is going to come back in at starting quarterback. I, th- I, I like TCU here. I actually like TCU to cover. Would it change your mind if you knew for sure that Dion was going to wear the cowboy hat on the sideline? The cowboy hat gives you at least five points, I would say. Okay. Um, it's gonna be close, man. That oof. <laughs> yeah, no, I got I got TCU to cover. I just think there's gonna be a lot of growing pains for that program out there in Boulder. Yeah, we can't act like Sonny Dykes is just is not there still. Yeah, um, I know that they kind of caught a spark last year, but still, it's a program that he is building some real success with there. All right. Also at noon on Saturday, you've got the University of Virginia uh, coming to see number twelve Tennessee. Or actually, my apologies, not coming to see Tennessee. This is a quote-unquote neutral site game happening in Nissan Stadium in Nashville. So take that as you will. That's so stupid. I don't know. Play these games on college campuses, people. What are we doing? Well, it's the whole thing of you don't lose a home game and I don't lose a home game when they're doing those home-and-away series. Kirby's really big on them. But, yeah, so – Neutral site. <laughs> Tennessee is a 28-point favorite. The over-under is 57 and a half. Um, you know, I it's a big line, but, man, Virginia was not good last year. Virginia has backslidden. Uh, they were a pretty solid program a few years back, but, yeah, they're kind of in a, in a Colorado-ish spot right now. They're, they're going to go through some growing pains, and I don't – I'm not harboring hate for Tony Elliott, but I don't think I don't think he's your guy. You're not uh, going to shed a tear if you see him yeah. encounter some uh, adversity. Yeah, I think this is a good game for Tennessee to feel like they're playing in a big game atmosphere because you're playing a Power Five opponent, you're in a neutral site. But this is a game where they start to try and piece things together, work on some things. If they if they click, which I think they will, I think they're ha- going to have a pretty good showing. I would take I take them to cover the spread. Yeah, and you got to think that Josh Heupel loves that, that yeah. Joe Milton's going to get a little taste week one of mm-hmm. a pretty hype environment for the game there. Um, but, yeah, no, Tony Elliott is still kind of transitioning them from air raid to the pro-style offense. Um, they have nine starters returning, Virginia does, on the whole team. Six Yikes. on defense, so three on offense. Um, the offensive line is questionable, even with them just being run first. You know, their defense is kind of their only hope. Um, the defense, actually, though, was, was pretty legit last year. They were first in total yards allowed. Uh, I was about to say, like, defense was not the problem last year, and they have more players returning there. It's the offense only having three back that worries me, even after. Maybe they needed a clean house because they did not have a good showing. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe they probably were not really weeping about the loss yeah. of offense. I'm sure Tony Elliott's just trying to go through this revolving door so he can fit all his players in there. Um, so, yeah, the defense is their only hope in this game. Uh, a little bit of a coming out party for Joe Milton, Squirrel White. I don't like Tennessee, but I love the name Squirrel White. Squirrel White cooked Clemson last year, and I had so much respect for that, just yes. that statement being said. Squirrel White cooking Clemson. Like, okay. <laughs> you guys should be cooking squirrels. I, I can't man. hate that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
but yes, there's still Tennessee's returning some guys: Brew McCoy, Ramel Keaton, Jalen White, Jabari Small, Dylan Sampson. So basically, all of their rushing production minus Hendon Hooker is coming back. Mm-hmm. So that offense. It, it, it's going to be hinged on what Joe Milton does in the passing game because the rest of it is going to be pretty figured out. Um, last year, Tennessee averaged 44.5 points a game. Virginia averaged 15.1 points a game. Yikes. Not great. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Not great when you look at this game we're coming into. So I'm with you. I think Tennessee wins. Even though it's the first game of the year, I think Tennessee covers. I see this being something like a 41 to 10, not very competitive game. Yeah. Um, I, like I said, Virginia's hope is their defense, but I don't think that there's enough hope. Uh, they're probably going to stay on the field because that offense is not going to sustain drives. They're going to get tired, and it's just not going to be pretty. So let's move this along into the mid afternoon slot. Coming up to Boise State, going to see number 10, Washington. Dan, I can't take credit for these names. You named this game here. What have we got? We got the Chris Peterson Bowl. That's exactly right. Chris Peterson Bowl, 330. And Washington comes into this um, a little over two touchdown favorite, 14 and a half. Over under is 58 and a half. And I'll tell you, Dan, I did not pay a ton of attention to Boise State last year. Looking at this, trying to do a little bit of a preview, I was just really quick to lean on Washington. But you better watch out for Boise State. People they got some dudes. People think that was the program of the late 2000s, early 2010s, but like they may have fallen off from a national perspective just ever so slightly. Boise State has been a very consistently good program for the last 10 years, and they're still there. Yeah, don't sleep on the Broncos, buddy. They've got, I put this in all caps, Talon Green. This man is 6'6", 220. Think Vince Young is how this man operates. I know that you weren't as high on Washington from our pod last week, um, but really, this offense is set. Good football team. Uh, Yeah, they were second best last year at 515.8 yards per game last year. Michael Penix Jr., second in in passing yards. Over 4,000. Oh, wow. I thought he was first. I think he came in second. Okay. Still, that just yeah. speaks to how good of a season he had in the pocket last year. Yeah, maybe depends on who is who is counting on the sidelines. But, maybe. yeah, he threw for some yards. Um, they've got Rome Odunze back and Jalen McMillan. Both had 1,000 yards last year. Um, keep their tackles. Lost some, uh, some of their interior offensive linemen. Um, the real question, I think, here is going to come down to their passing defense. They were 108th last year in passing defense. So if they can hold on and just let that offense do their job, just operate like a Lincoln Riley team, they'll probably be okay. What's your pick on this one, Dan? She said 14 and a half. Yeah, 14 and a half point favorites are the Huskies. I think this has the potential to be one of the more well-played games of the the weekend just because these are two very experienced teams returning some production. Boise State, it's hard to go into Seattle and play in that atmosphere, but I feel like Boise State has the personnel to not let the moment get too big for them, and I think they're going to come in here and turn this into a rock fight. 
I like Washington to win. I, I like Washington to win the game, but I think Boise State makes this a final possession type deal. I like that a lot. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Washington will win the game, but I definitely like Boise to cover. Um, I could see this maybe 38-31 type game there, especially look at the average points last year for Washington. So I'm with you. I think it's going to be a good game. This is one that I'll be keeping my TV set on most likely around this time of the day. All right, moving along. Dan, we're going to hit this one because you have a great name for it, and then we're going to move right along. (laughs) (laughs) You've got Rice at number 11, Texas, also at 330. What have we got here, Dan? It's the JFK Moon Speech Bowl. (laughs) We chose to go to the moon. (laughs) And I don't know why, but he does call out this matchup in that speech because he's like, why do we do hard things in life? And then he goes, why does Rice play Texas? (laughs) (laughs) We chose to go to the moon. (laughs) It's It's just like... I don't know. Johnny, why are you calling out rice like that, man? Just chill. Oh, man. No idea. But, yeah, so there it is, uh, the JFK JFK Moon Speech Bowl. I had a hard time just in terms of being on ESPN, looking at the lineup, finding a line here. Texas is a 35-point favorite, (laughs) and the over-under is 59-and-a-half. Jake, so this is that, only on the list so I could do my JFK impression. I know. I know that's the only reason it was in here. <laughs> also, revisionist history, I think he gave that speech in Austin to the Texas student body. So maybe that's why he called out Rice. Anyway, I digress. Go ahead. All good, man. I think Texas wins. And just because it's 35 points, it's absurd. I think that Rice covers. But I don't – that does not mean I think this is a close game for sure. Um, it's just 35 points is, is quite a good allotment of points. It's a it's a gargantuan amount of points. Now, you may not want to bring it up, but ex-Georgia Bulldog quarterback JT Daniels is going to be making his Rice debut. It's his fourth oh school. <laughs> Can this guy just quit playing football now? Please? I know, man. It's just he's got that he's got that COVID year too, dude. He might he might show up. Look, if Cade Klubnik doesn't work out. Don't come to Clemson, JT Daniels. I was <laughs> to say, do you want him? I'm sure no, he would gladly I do not. Show up. I do not want JT Daniels under oh center. Oh my goodness! And if no. he gets beat out at Rice, then retire. Just retire. I don't. Oh. I don't think he likes playing football. Well, he sure does an awful lot of it. Does he? Oh, okay. Well, maybe not actually playing yeah. football. But... <laughs> he he loves standing on the sidelines. He's going to be a great okay. coach someday. Oh, he's going to be an amazing coach. Yeah. There's no doubt. All right, so let's get into some nighttime action. 7.30 on Saturday night. You got South Carolina with number 21, North Carolina. What have we got here, Dan? Mayo's Revenge. <laughs> yes. Duke's, Duke's Mayo's Revenge. Oh, yes. Mayo's Revenge. 2021 Mayo Bowl. It's just I know good. that somebody better be on the sideline with a Gatorade cooler full of mayo just ready. Oh, yeah. It's going to be Beamer. Yeah. Yeah. He loved he, – that, that guy's a sicko. He loved getting dunked in mayo. He is a real sicko. Yeah, he really enjoyed it. I wouldn't be surprised if it's worked its way in his routine somehow. Probably. I really think, I think that hit home with him. All right, so North Carolina, two-and-a-half point favorite here. Over-under, 64-and-a-half. Um, 
I know. So they're looking for some points mm-hmm. in this ball game. Uh, North Carolina, obviously, Drake May, um, but that offense was second total in the nation in offense per in offense per game. Uh, three three fifty eight and a half. Got a new offensive coordinator with Chip Lindsey there. They did lose some guys, Josh Downs notably, also Antoine Green, but they've added some folks: Nate McCollum from Georgia Tech, Tez Walker from Kent State, and then this three-headed tight end monster that they have that last year combined for over a thousand yards and eight touchdowns, and they get return all of their running backs there as well. On the defense, it can only go up from here. <laughs> it was it was but historically bad. It historically was, bad. Yeah. Last in the ACC in yards and points allowed. Second to last in yards per carry. Last in sacks. Last in passing yards allowed and passing efficiency allowed. So they got some work to do. I will say, if you think no coach can care less about how well their defense plays besides Lincoln Riley, you may have a contender in Mac Brown. Uh, he has a yeah. history of this. He just is like, whatever. Is yeah. there 11 guys out there? Okay, cool. He's like, this. you score score more points than the other team. That's how you win games. That's exactly. his philosophy. Exactly. So, defense got some work to do. Now, they do get Cedric Gray and Power Eccles back, which all name team for Power Eccles. Power. Power Eccles. Power down in Wimbledon. Um <laughs> <laughs> the two of them uh, total for over 100 tackles. And uh, they do have Gene Chizik in here. And so I think there's a little bit of hope that he brings some more aggressive defense and some blitzes, tries to fire up that defense. But he's got his work cut out for him. Mm-hmm. South Carolina, the return of Spencer Rattler. Which one will we get? That's going to be a big question here. Um, Juice Wells is coming back with him also. They both made that decision to return. Um, Trey Knox came from Arkansas. And um, brought, I can probably not say this right, Dowell Loggins with him. Um, a big question about this offense is who is the running back? <laughs> I mean, they have Juju McDowell. He comes back. Um, but Marshawn Lloyd, gone to USC. And Dakari and Joyner, from what I've read, is... He's still there? He's he's still there. Oh, my and gosh. Now, now he's trying out the running back position for just to see. Well, he famously engineered uh, a, a quarterback performance to beat the famed Georgia Bulldogs all those years ago. That was a while back. Yeah, we don't like to talk about <laughs> it, but the wild never, chicken. I will never forget to carry and join his name. <laughs> he still haunts us to this day in his existence. Um, but he's back, and now he's going to try on running back because he's well, he's going to get to the offensive line eventually. Hey, he's Jake, he's a football player. He ain't a running back, he ain't quarterback, he ain't receiver. He's a football player. All, all purpose, yep. That's right. All purpose, yeah. <laughs> so he is he is a football player. Um, I think him and JT probably started in the same year. I'm not sure. Uh, they lost Jalen Nichols, um, and their secondary is legit. Secondary is a bright spot. Uh, the run defense is a little suspect. Second worst in the SEC last year, and they lost Jordan Birch going to Oregon. Uh, they got some young guys with potential. Stone Blanton as a sophomore, Grayson Howard, a freshman. Um, you had the transfer from Syracuse, JTS, JTS, I'm not going to say it right, uh, gear. And so there's some young guys, but they're going to have to prove themselves a little bit. So on this one, I think that UNC wins this game. 
Um, I, I think they cover just because two and a half. I mean, you're. It, it's basically a pick 'em. It's basically a pick 'em. Yeah, it's it's hard to work that otherwise. But I still think it's gonna be a close game. I could see this being something like a 41 38 um, game that goes four quarters. But what's your pick, Nan? I think this is a game of the weekend. I think. I think so. Okay. Uh, well, not as far as hype. I mean, that one's coming up. But I think this is gonna end up being the most entertaining game as far as storyline coming out of the weekend i have south carolina winning this game oh yeah mm-hmm. you really wanted to justify that loss last year sure that might be part of it but <laughs> <laughs> yeah we lost to south carolina but look at these guys look at these guys everybody. it was really awful going 10 and 2 and losing to notre dame and south carolina and then having to watch them play in a bowl game against each other yeah that was that was torture anyway i have south carolina winning i just think that they are just a little more complete everywhere else. I don't buy that North Carolina's defense is going to be any better, especially in game one than last year. They also lose their OC. He's at Wisconsin now. I have some doubts about – I don't want to say I doubt Drake May. But we Uh-oh. haven't – we've seen him play one big game so far. And it didn't go very well. This he, take is preheating as we speak. It's preheating. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I think North Carolina is a very good football team, and I think they're going to figure it out. I just think with the kind of influx they've had with their staff and some of their players, they don't have a good defense anyway. I see South Carolina as just a slightly more complete team. I think this is a barn burner of a game that South Carolina finds a way to win. And this has this has to set North Carolina back on the right track as we go throughout the rest of the season. But yeah, I got South Carolina pulling it out. Very nice. We are at the pinnacle here. This is Sunday night here. I mean, Saturday nights can be exciting, but Sunday night is the big one for this weekend that we're starting off in week one. We've got number five LSU, number eight FSU in Orlando. Camping World Stadium. LSU is a two-and-a-half-point favorite here. Over-under is 58. And the same thing whenever I was looking through kind of a preview here, thinking about this game, with uh, the same way with Florida and Utah, man, what a game this was last year. All-time classic. I mean, just insane. And those teams were still kind of figuring themselves out. I don't know that you can replicate the madness that was the end of that game, but I'm just excited to watch this game. I mean, you've got Jaden Daniels uh, versus um, Jordan Travis. Sorry. In my notes, I wrote Travis Hunter. Um, Oh, my gosh. (laughs) The ultimate plot twist. I know. Just a little little bit of a sting there uh, for the FSU fans. Uh, But, no, Jaden Daniels versus Jordan Travis – um, both offenses return eight starters. LSU gets the whole line back and Malik Neighbors, Mason Taylor, who was, you know, he kept them in that game last year. He would have been the hero had they finished that out. Um, on Florida State side, they lost two offensive linemen, but then they added three and they returned their top producing wide receiver, Johnny Wilson. Um, they lost three out of the other five top pass catchers, but they also added Michigan State wide receiver Keon Coleman. Um, They also get Trey Benson back, which was a great running back 
for them last year definitely helped the uh, helped out the offense on that front. So I don't know between the, between these two offenses, what do you like between them, Dan? Do you like one more than the other? I think I like the LSU offense just a little bit more. I think they're very comparable. I just think I like Jaden Daniels slightly more at quarterback to run that machine a little bit better, but that's not to take anything away from what FSU is doing on that side of the ball. But that's how I kind of see it at the moment. For sure. They stack up really well. Um, I do like that Florida State has more rushing help um, to go along with Jordan Travis than Jaden Daniels really has there. Um, But still, two very good offenses and – two really good defenses as well, which is what is tricky here. Um, LSU is set on the front seven. Harold Perkins Jr. is there. Uh, and their actual leading tackler, Greg Penn the third, is back. Um, Mason Smith, and he actually, if you'll remember, was uh, out. He came yeah. out during this game last year. Um, so he's in this time. No, he's not. Mason he's Smith not. is not playing in this game. Is he still out? He's out because of the – He's not hurt. It's the autograph thing. Have you? Oh, I totally Which is that. the stupidest thing ever. Him and Keyshawn Boutte were proven guilty for signing autographs in June of 2021. NIL went live in July of 2021. And they're going to retroactively say, oh, you can't play in this game because uh, NIL wasn't active back then. Like, the NCAA, stop. Stop being stupid and making decisions that no one wants you to make. Like they just don't exist and then wait on the perfect time to be a nuisance and are like, yeah. okay, we're still here and we're gonna make a decision that is irre um what's the word? I don't know. Ignorant. We'll just say that or that will say that. Yeah. It's just like <sighs> no one it's frustrating. Wa- no one on else on the planet wants you to make this decision. We're all fine with this. And you just decide, no, rules are rules, even though yeah. we changed the rules. They're so annoying. Um, so, yes, rescind that. Um, but they also have Makai Wingo. The secondary is kind of by committee. It's very transfer heavy, so I think they're going to need to be finding their footing this year. Um, FSU, man, they return 94% of their production. Wow. And it was a top 25 defense last year. Uh, They were sixth nationally in passing yards per game, um, 75th nationally in rushing yards per game. So you're going to want to try and run on them is what I'm seeing here. But still, they've got the guys coming back. The biggest loss for them was Jamie Robinson. Um, Other four guys in the secondaries return, both linebackers. Um, They have Jared Verse, all-ACC guy, Fabian Lovett Sr., and then uh, Patrick Payton, ACC Defensive Rookie of the Year also on that defensive front. So it's a nasty defense. I think if we're looking at those offenses um, as either really closely matched or maybe giving a slight edge to LSU, the defense, it's tough, man. These guys are both heavy hitters. You almost have to give it to FSU because of the guys coming back, but it's hard to just look over LSU's dudes. LSU's got some guys, but with Mason Smith out, this definitely goes to Florida State for the defense in this matchup. Good point, yeah. All right, Dan, what do you think? What happens here? I don't – I've thought about going either way on this, and I don't feel confident either way. I, and that just – kudos for getting a matchup like this on 
opening weekend. This is what we want. This is probably going to be an all-time classic type of game. I, oh man, I've been going back and forth all day. I think I'm going to go Florida State. Wow. Just barely. Just barely because of their defense matches up a little bit against LSU's strengths. They got a better passing defense. LSU's not, other than Jaden Daniels, they're still going to be trying to find the guys to establish the run. Maybe they do, but if they don't, I look for Florida State to not shut them down, but keep them honest pretty well. And with uh, with Mason Smith out, I think Florida State's just going to be able to find some holes and get enough to win the game. Yeah, man. I- I'm with you. I've sort of tossed and turned on this one. It's tough just because both teams, I think, are so good. And, man – it's, it's like you said, it's not often that we get a game like this right off the bat. I mean, think about the college football playoff implications in this game oh, here in week one. Huge impact. Huge impact. Massive. So that's what's so tough about like choosing this one way or another is because this, is, this could define the season mm-hmm. in week one for both of these teams. And that is awesome, but also kind of stinks because they're both so good that you kind of want to let them – come into their own and then play this game, but it's just going to – they're going to have to take the gloves off week one and go after it. I I wanted – my initial thought was LSU to win, but even kind of talking through it here tonight, I think I have FSU winning it. Um, it, Just like you said, Mason Smith is a big loss that kind of hit me tonight. Um, Really floored you. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Really did. but, yeah, man, it's just so tough with the the defense that FSU returns um, with offenses kind of being very similarly matched. Jordan Travis had the better numbers last year. I think Jaden Daniels played a bigger role in his offense. For sure. Um, but, yeah, man, just, you know, consistency is key. I, I don't think it's going to be a, a super high-scoring game um, just because of the potency of the defenses. So I because of that, I'm going to lean – and give this to FSU. Um, but I'm going to say that LSU still covers. I know the two and a half is almost like a pick em, but like I-, I could see 28-27, like something. This is going to be a last play one. of the game type deal. Yep. Like walk off field goal, goal line stand, maybe go to overtime. I don't know. Like Exactly. Um, I mean, it was going to go to overtime last year. So we thought. So we thought. <laughs> so um, maybe we get there this year. Maybe that's the fun added twist as we get to see what what was to be last yeah. year. Um, but, yeah, game of the week this week. Excited to watch it. And then we have to touch into Monday night because your Tigers go on to play Duke. Um, Clemson here, 13-point favorite. Over-under is 55. And, Dan, I'm going to let you kind of toe the line on this one since it's your Cats. My cats against the Devils. Um, pray the for blue us. Devils. Yes, yeah. the Blue Devils. Not just saying they're Devils. <laughs> Coach K is a Devil, but uh, <laughs> oh well, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, whew. I am very nervous. <laughs> Deep thoughts over here. Uh, scared, worried, afraid. Um, <laughs> not so Anytime much. Time you're face to face with the Devils, I probably would say so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not so much afraid of Duke 
I'm just I'm very aware of what Duke brings to the table. They got a good football team. Riley Leonard's a great football player. He's a great quarterback. They got a good coaching system in year two. Always better in year two. And I know what we're dealing with on our side. We got a new, a lot of new faces coming in. We're in a new offensive system. We're trying to figure some stuff out. It's not often that Clemson brings in new ideas. So, so this, it could go really well or really poorly. It could be an adjustment. So yeah. I I almost asked you if I could rescind from picking, but I, I know I can't. It's okay if you want to. It's all right, man. Um whatever you I think you feel. I think we win the game, but we don't cover. Okay. I think we win like 34-24 or something like that. Very nice. Yeah. I understand your hesitancies being that you're well invested in this team and you've seen the history and all those things uh, behind this game. But I, I think you're being conservative. Uh, I, I understand totally Clemson's got a new offense. They're working in there. Duke finished much better than we thought last year and are primed for a great second year under Mike Elko. But, man, this is Clemson and this is Dabo. They've been building this thing for years. And I just, I think that they're, I think, definitely think they're going to win the game. I, I could see them covering, really, just because of where these two programs are at and just the talent levels that kind of set them apart. I think your Tigers win, and I think they got a good chance to cover. Well, I like to hear that. So nice. Well, leaving it on that positive note, um, that's the preview of this week one of college football. Very excited to see just days and days of football and we've waited for it and here it is um switching gears we prefaced a little earlier in the show there was a little segment where the coin toss was going to play a factor later on uh so now it's time to snake it up and what that means is a snake draft of the 10 best college football games of this century we kind of touched on this a little bit in some of our recent episodes um so I lost the coin toss, so I get the first pick, right? No, no, no. I I deferred. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I lost, but you deferred. Yeah. See, this was going to be like the week one episode where I just disregarded the results. You just take it back. I wanted to. <laughs> That's okay. But yeah, so we're going to trade picks. I'm wise to your tricks now. You're not. You're yeah. not getting past me that easily. Yeah, you're in midseason form, man. Yeah. Um, Here we are, week one. Exactly. But, yeah, no, so we're going to trade picks of the most exciting and impactful college football games of the 21st century until we have a list of 10. So we're going to get five on each of our lists. So with that, it's your pick, Dan, because you deferred. All right, I'm going to go 1-1. One, one. There was really two games I was considering. And I feel like there's an obligatory answer, but I'm actually going to go with the other one. Oh, my pick for best game of this century, I'm going to go with the 2013 Iron Bowl, the kick six game. Yeah, that was – see, well, go ahead. It was just like people, – people only think about the ending of that game, but you got to keep in mind, like, this was an absolute slugfest for four quarters between two top five teams – this was back. This was the final year of the BCS, so like w- the loser of this game is done, like wholeheartedly. Especially because Auburn was coming in with a loss. 
it was just back and forth. It was in Jordan Hare, and it was just cr- a crazy, crazy atmosphere. And then you get potentially A.J. McCarron's Heisman moment when he hits Amari Cooper for a 99-yard touchdown. Then you get the whole debacle of Saban needs a second. And they get that kick and then just the most unspeakable ending other than maybe the Cal Stanford band is on the field play happens. And it's just so memorable. It's it's such a good game all the way up to the ending. And then the ending is just so iconic, I, I think. And then the impact that it had. I mean, Alabama was trying to go three in a row and arguably could have had the chance to. They're, they have a good shot to beat that Florida State team that year. And weren't there and Auburn kind of throws off the trajectory of the next few years of college football in that one play and just go back in the calls of that game. Uh, Vern Lundquist, just the great, no flags, this is real. And then the Auburn, the Auburn uh, radio guys just, Oh my God, we're going to win. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I gotta go. I gotta go with that one. No, I'm with you. I mean, I know like you were saying the obligatory pick, but this kind of this game really kind of just feels like college football in a game. Yeah. Just madness. This should not have happened, but it did. And there's no rhyme or reason. Just the most insane thing that you would never have thought of actually took place on the field. So in terms of top game and just encapsulating college football, man, I'm I'm with it, dude. I don't I don't doubt you one bit. It was it was next on my list. I was prepared to take it with my first selection. Mm-hmm. So Oh, I and I gotta that. give a shout out. Uh, I know he's not a uh he's not a happy mention on, on our show or most other shows or any conversation really, but Gary Danielson with his all time uh, best analysis when he's talking about Chris Davis running that field goal back, he goes, And Alabama's not ready for this play. Uh once the kicks start to be returned, look, the personnel, it's all fat guys. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> Expert analysis, as always, from old Gary. Oh, Gary. Oh, what a guy. So <laughs> excited to listen to him some more this year. But Only a few more years. Oh, they're Big Ten 2024, so this is your last year of having to listen to Gary. God. I'm going to tell you, brother, life with Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler calling your big games – throughout the season it's it's a it's a great way to live you're yeah. gonna get used to it i'm so tired of the best games getting called by this buffoon that just i don't yeah that's another a, day another that's day another day yeah all right so uh with that i'm going to take what would be the obligatory first selection like you were referencing there um, but still a very worthy selection for my first pick the 2006 bcs national championship with number two, Texas, beating number one, USC, 41 to 38. I mean, Vince Young, Matt Leinart, the top three Heisman vote getters all on the same field, a 34-game win streak on one side, a 19-game win streak on one side. I mean, USC's bid for the three-peat, literally, P-E-T-E, the three-peat. Oh, Pete Carroll and his chewing gum. Exactly, chomping away. Um, I mean, just side note: Did you see Pete Carroll in Seahawks practice uh, no. playing quarterback last week? And he was just serving up dimes. It was awesome. Oh, I bet he was, man. Dude, he I could love strap on a set of pads and go out there and get it done. I freaking love Pete Carroll. Anyway, go ahead. Um, 
but yeah, man, just for all the marbles, the biggest stage you could hope for, full of athletes, and I mean, just down to the wire. I mean, what without the chaos of the kick six is just one of the most pure college football games of the history of this sport. Yeah, amazing. And it it falls into the same category with the 2013 Iron Bowl. It has the big play you remember, Vince Young running in on that fourth and five. But there's also so many other big moments, the Reggie Bush lateral that gets turned over, and then the Lindell White attempt on fourth down that just they always seem to convert and they just don't get it, that gives Texas the ball back late. It's just a lot of good moments on top of each other. And, yeah, that's a – Everybody loves talking about this game, and they'll talk about it forever. Yes, most definitely. All right, Dan, your pick. All right, I have a lot of options here. This might be a little bit. I don't think I have as many as you. Okay, this might be a little bit of a reach, but I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go with the 2009 Texas versus Texas Tech. Okay. The, The Michael Crabtree game. There you go. When yeah. number seven Tech on the last second of the game took down number one Texas in, in just a shocking I, – I have no idea why Mike Leach dialed up that play on second and five with six seconds, throwing into double coverage on the sideline, but Michael Crabtree snags that ball in, hauls it in, takes it upfield, and, and wins the game on the last second. And that totally took – I mean, Texas ended up going to the national championship that year, so it didn't change college football over the course of time or anything, but that was just a crazy back and forth. And another one that, I mean, right before the Crabtree play, Texas could have picked that ball off. I mean, it was in the guy's shoulder pads, and he couldn't he couldn't pick it off. Um, maybe not so much impact here, but flow of the game and excitement. I, I, I'm going to take this one. Yeah, man. Now, you got a thing for the uh, the big upset with the rival. I like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's you know a little bit that's at the heart of college football. Um, yeah, no, I'm not going to pretend that I'm super savvy to the full layout of this game, but anything that involves Mike Leach, Texas Tech air raid coming in and just making no sense but winning the ball game, yeah, I'm up for that. Graham, so I like it. Graham Harrell threw for like 600 yards in that game. It was awesome. Well, yeah, man, that's the air raid at its finest. Oh yeah. Nice. All right. Well, um, you're you're leaving some stuff for me because I like your maybe what some would call unorthodox approach or not unorthodox, but you're just not going mainstream. And I appreciate that. I like it. Um, I'm going to, I guess, sort of toe the party line here and go for the 2007 Fiesta Bowl. Um, Number nine, Boise State. Getting some love on this pod. I thought that one would get back to me. I'm sorry, my man. That's Um, a good one. I love this game. Great game. Um, they went it out 43 over number seven, Oklahoma, 42. Um, I mean, yeah, they get up the 28-10 lead in the first 38 minutes of the game, and then Oklahoma just goes off for a 25-point run and gets this thing set up for an insane ending. And I feel like I've said insane way too many times, but when we're talking about these kind of games – you can't make this stuff up. It's There's okay. No, College football I, is insane. There is no script. I'm very sorry. Um, who's your friend? Arian Foster? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. There's no script for this. No script. No script at all. Um, I mean, you get the hook and ladder 
game tying touchdown, the Statue of Liberty in overtime, and then Ian Johnson proposes to his girlfriend just oh, yeah. right after the game. I mean, this what game, more could you want? Oh, this and, game had it all: love and, and romance, blood, sweat, tears. That's right, had and, everything. And Thombriniman with a with a great call at yes. the end. Yeah. Not not the there's a drive into left field and that will make it a four nothing ball game in the middle of my apology. No, no, no. This was pre this was pre uh, I did not tie those tie those. Yeah, that's that guy. The guy who announced that one. He's the Cincinnati Reds. uh, Yeah, I did not pre hateful Thom Brienneman. Ooh, okay. Well, with that, I'm going to go ahead and give it back to you. Okay. (laughs) Make your pick. We're not going to sit there. Okay. Um, call it recency bias, but I'm gonna take last year's Peach Bowl. The nice. dogs over Ohio State, forty-two, forty-one. So many emotional swings in that game. That felt like the national championship game. That felt beginning of the season. We were like, all right, this is a two-horse race between Georgia and Ohio State. Ohio State didn't quite hold up to the deal. They kind of wavered in and out of the year. Uh, but they they make the playoff. We get this matchup in Atlanta, and it's just a barn burner. Georgia has to storm back. Just amazing plays from Brock Bowers late. Gets him the lead, and then the missed kick at the end is just, like, unbelievable. And and you felt in that moment, like, Georgia's done it. They're, they still had a game to play, but it was like Georgia just – they're about to go back-to-back. Yeah, man, and as someone with – a lot of vested interest in that game. It was just such that, I mean, you know, we had reached the top of the mountain. We won that championship. Then all those feelings from the years prior just came back of like, we're about to, we're about to lay this egg. We're going to choke. It's not going to happen. And then, I mean, as the clock literally strikes midnight, the infamous field goal that seals the deal. How many Um, couples do you think broke up over that? uh, Over under... I don't, I'm not going to give it triple digits, but I'm, I'm going to say it's a high-digit number. Um, 60s, maybe. I don't know. Probably, yeah. I, w- yeah. I was in a house where that was a contentious moment. Oh, really? Yeah. Over, like, not watching the... The ball drop mm. versus... Well, the ball did drop. It just the, went wide left. The The ball did... It, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this was just... It was a storybook ending. Um, it was just the two best teams in the country duking it out and we got an all-time classic from it. So yeah, it's what you want. It's what the playoff is supposed to produce. hundred percent. Um, so yeah, stressful, but I love it. Um, not keeping the Georgia train rolling. Um, but because I realized that there's only so many selections left, uh, I'm going to go and select the 2018 Rose bowl. Oh yeah. Um, also a little bit of Georgia college football playoff madness. Um, Beating Oklahoma there, 54-48, and just the oddest. I mean, I don't. That night felt like some kind of fever dream. I don't even know what we witnessed. The game just, it was, it was nuts. Um, being down thirty-one to fourteen, and then forty-five thirty-eight, and then the last eighteen plays total fifty-one yards and three points. I mean. You've got the squib kick that was somehow turned into something. I mean, the squib is just the most basic conservative play out there. And then to make something happen off of that is just 
nuts. Um, yeah, man, it was, it was a lot. Uh, it was such a great game um, to see the dogs come back. I mean, Baker Mayfield in there, you can't put it on him. Uh, oh, was, he played. That was the best game he played in his collegiate career. Exactly. Um, but then, man, Sony Michelle just running that one in the end zone to seal the deal there and over time was just euphoria. And then to with that, go to the national championship. Yeah. Um, A career call for Chris Fowler. Yeah. As he's sending the dogs home for the championship game. That was just ugh, goosebumps. I'm not even a Georgia fan, and I get goosebumps from that. Yeah, it was, it was crazy, man. Big, big, wild game there in the Rose Bowl, and just the fact you know you got the Rose Bowl, the scenery. I just love that game. It's the best setting in college football. Love it, hundred percent. Play the Natty there every year. That's my hot take. Actually, <laughs> that's it. not very hot. A lot of people are saying that. Do it, man. Um, okay, you you took your team. I'm gonna take my team. Give me the 2016 national championship. Well, I guess technically the 2017 national championship, but for the 2016 season. Uh, Clemson 35, Bama 31, the revenge game. Yeah, all the emotions, just every single emotion fathomable. Uh, Bo Scarborough runs it in for two touchdowns in the first quarter, and we're like, oh, no, it's happening again. And then we fight back. We we battle back. Deshaun starts turning it on, and then they hit O.J. Howard for a long touchdown after he burned us three times in the previous championship game, and – Oh, no, it's happening again. And then Jalen Hurts runs it in, gives him the lead with two minutes left, and it's like, oh, no, it's happening again. And then Deshaun's just Deshaun's just there. And he's like, I got this. I got this. And we get the drive of a lifetime. Yes. Um, it was a rub, not a pick. It was a rub <laughs> to Hunter Renfro in the end zone uh, to win the game. And uh, we were able to, for a moment, dethrone Alabama as national champs. It was. It's just a game. I'll never see a better Clemson football game again. That's that's the one. That's that's a movie. It really is. Yeah. And, man, just – I mean, I remember watching this game and, like, where I was and all um, with some buddies. And, like you said, it just felt like the inevitable, like, Bama's going to come in here, do what Bama always does, win another national championship, and we're just stuck, as always. And then just like, no, Clemson did it. They defeated the boogeyman on a rim throw. Got the, I mean, you know, successfully made his way on in the end zone. And um, it was a wonderful sight to behold for just a lot of college football fans, regardless of where your team allegiances may be. Um, I, I remember watching this one, and, man, it was an, an amazing game. Because, like you said, it was just looked like it was done and done and done. And then your Tigers came in and sealed the deal, man. So, no, I love this pick. Awesome. All right. Well, fun, uh, fun story. Sorry, I'm going to let my Clemson nostalgia just hot it, for man. a bit. And I don't want to give Deshaun like too much praise because of you know what he's what he's done in recent years. Um, I disavow disavow Deshaun. But I think it's such a cool story. Davos told the story that that team came together before the season, and everyone had to pick a word that like their season was going to be about. Davos' word was love. He was like, I'm just going to love you of guys. Of leave course. with Yeah, I know. He's he's pretty cheesy. Um, Deshaun's word was legendary. I like that. He said, I want to – and yeah, Davo was like, ooh, four syllables, Deshaun. <laughs> 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 he 
But he was like, I want to leave here and us be legends. And and let's let's do what we got to do to cement this legacy. Before they ran out on the field for that drive, Dabo got Deshaun and some of the offensive captains together, and they just ran through the script of, like, here's what play we're going to run in this situation. And they kind of just went through, like, the next 10 plays or so based on the situations that might pop up. And then he gives them a look, and he goes, I love you guys. And then Deshaun goes, let's go be legendary. And then they go oh, have that drive. And it's just like – That's pretty cool. I know. That's uh, – that game. I'll just like watch that. it sometimes. All right, I'm done. Sorry. Hey, no, <laughs> I'm no, done. that's fine, man. No, the Peach Bowl was on the other day, and I just sat there and enjoyed that. I mean, I could only enjoy it in hindsight. But it was way too stressful in the moment. Oh, yeah. Um, nice. All right, well, uh, with my fourth pick, I'm going to go back – to 2007 again great year for college football oh unbelievable um, and i'm gonna go for the biggest upset in college football history app state 34 number five michigan 32 i mean again just this is football this is college football it, it makes no sense it shouldn't happen it's wrong but it's so right i love it i mean michigan powerhouse I mean, App State. Just this is supposed to be your 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 warm up. This is supposed to be the the tune it up. Let's get this thing going. Um, get ready for the season, and then they just ruined all hopes of that being their walk through the park game. Um, I love it, and it, the title of it is greatest upset in college football history. And that I mean that that's what it was. Um, now I mean. App State went on to continue with some success, but this was we didn't know that yet. We were not aware of this. They were not the the App State that we have come to know yet. No. And in 2007 at this time, I mean, we have our thoughts on Michigan now. But they this were top was the five. Winningest, this was the winningest program in college football history at that time. Losing to a team that some people did not even know played football. Yeah. This was App State. And this, again, like you said, this is 2007 App State. This is before we got where we were now. Yeah, and Michigan um, was like preseason, like number three. Like, this was a massive deal. Yeah. So, um, that that's my man because it just, it, the the grand scale and spectacle, one of the biggest upsets. Um, I'm going to lean on your uh, narrative a little and go on the upset train with that game in 2007. Really set the tone for that season <laughs> that was coming yeah. to us. Get ready. We need a we need a 30 for 30 about the 07 season. That would be amazing. Like, And that's one. We don't need new information. Just run through what went down because it's, yes. it's still unbelievable to this day. Like no narrator, just the guys who were calling the game. Yeah. One by one. Get us through it. I like that. 100%. Um... I got a lot of options here. I got a lot of good oh, – man. All right, we're going to have an honorable mention section in a minute when we just throw it out. Uh, I'm going to take another Michigan loss. Uh, 2016 <laughs> Michigan-Ohio State. Uh, this was number three Michigan, went to the horseshoe to play number two Ohio State. This was basically a playoff game at the end of the season. I had – before Michigan kind of got their – mojo back the past couple of years i called this game the game that took jim harbaugh's soul this was the game yeah. i i felt like michigan was progressing towards being what they were supposed to be when they hired him a few years earlier was 
a national power that can compete for playoffs and championships. This felt like that team. They get a horrible spot in overtime. Curtis Sammy runs that ball in. Ohio State wins the game. I genuinely for years felt like a part of him died that day, and <laughs> they couldn't keep it going. And Ohio State goes on to the playoff. Ohio State, after – I'm not trying to bring Clemson back in once again, but Clemson proved Ohio State did not need to be in the playoff. Mm-hmm. The, it That really kind of threw off the trajectory of the end of that season. And that threw off Michigan's program for a while. It, it, it really did in, in the grand scheme of things. And uh, it's just – it's the biggest rivalry in college football. Uh, one of the best games we've ever gotten out of that rivalry. So, yeah, I'm going to throw that one up there. Nice, man. No, I like it. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, that one of the biggest rivalries, so it, it has a good place to be in our uh, top list here. And, you know, I mean, think about what just began to happen after that and just sort of the misery that Michigan was living in going up against Urban Meyer and Ohio State, um, I mean, until he left. So very big game and shift there. Um, all right, well, I'm going to round out – my selection, and it, it's it's going to go back to Georgia, but I'm going to take my druthers, and I'm just going to admit that this game was was an amazing football game, and that is the 2018 College Football Playoff Championship with number four Alabama, number three Georgia, and uh, second and 26. Yep, all of it. Bama 26, Georgia 23. This game gives me nightmares, keeps me up some nights. But watching the game, I mean, it it, it was an all time classic for sure. Um, I mean, with the theatrics of Jalen Hurts getting benched, Tua coming in and winning that game. I mean, it, it, you know, we and that season, we I say as Georgia fans had just witnessed that Rose Bowl, and it was like here we are again. Like this is madness. Such a close game, back and forth. But the Rose Bowl went our way, you know, like it was tough. But then, like, we went in and then we won. And it felt like, I mean, dude, second and 26, come on. Yeah. Like, we got a defense. After let's the go, sack. Let's go it, win this thing. The sack made it feel like it was over. Yes. It was like, this is it. And the, the closest thing I can attribute it to as a Georgia fan is, was it 2015? No, it was 2016. Because it was when um, Kirby was just starting out with oh, Tennessee the- and Jacob Eason was our quarterback. I have this on my this game on my list. The Tennessee, it's on your list. Yes. Yeah. So just the the feeling of, oh my goodness, like we were about to win this game. To this game's over. Yeah. And we've just lost. Like I can I can't imagine it from other people's perspective and how they received it. But as someone who roots for that team, seeing the game be very competitive, almost in hand, like. Again, second and 26, like you just got to get a few more stops, and then all of a sudden the game just ends, and it's over. It was just such a such a crazy amount of emotion in such a short amount of time. Only college football could do this to 100%. the human soul. From a non-vested interest, I can say that Georgia in that game going in felt like an overwhelming favorite. Like I, I told a friend of mine, like Georgia's going to win by like 20. Georgia going to be by 20 or 25 points. And it looked like they were. I mean, they dominated going into the half. And then Tua comes in, takes some time to warm up, 
when when you get down to the end of that game, especially after the sack, the game felt so over because the kicker for Alabama had just missed a chip shot at yes. the end of regulation. And then just to a and th- this is something only this can only happen in college football. One play, Tua, legend, immediately. Like, no yeah. matter what he does for the rest of his collegiate career, he's just immediately, you can't tell the story of college football without Tua in that play, second and 26. And Devontae Smith w- goes on and wins the Heisman a few years later. He's on the receiving end, literally, of that yeah. play. When everybody was kind of like, oh, watch out for this Devontae Smith character. He kind of, you know, he's made his move. He's up and coming. I'm like, no, I know Devontae Smith. I don't need to hear his name anymore. He walked off a natty. <laughs> I'm well aware of who he is, and I'm he's on the radar. He's good. Yeah, we know about him. Yeah. No, this was this is one of the best championship games ever. It, it was, yeah. I'm glad it found a way on the list. I'm sorry you had to endure that, though. It's okay. I just had to, you have to embrace it because it just, the magnitude of it is is so real. You can't deny it. It's okay. It, um, it makes the Keely Ringo pick six that much sweeter. It was very sweet. Yeah. Just, yeah, watching it once again all crumble just in one play. So, I, for my list of uh, honorable mentions, I've got the Bush Push game, USC Notre Dame 05. I got 2012 LSU Alabama. So, this is the year after the one versus two game of the century, mm-hmm. but they were still top five. And it was just the same game, but with better quarterback play. So, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, 2012 was a good year, too. I wasn't going to just try and pick Georgia games, but the 2012 SEC championship also oh, yeah. stung very, very much. Mm-hmm. But that was the national championship that year. Both it, teams were going to beat Notre Dame. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Uh, I've got 2021 Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. That was an amazing game. I don't know if a lot of people remember that, but that's the one that ran Lincoln Riley out of town. Mm-hmm. Um, 2012 A&M Bama. Uh, 2016 Oklahoma Texas Tech. That's the Baker Pat Mahomes game where they went off. Uh, 2010 Iron Bowl, the Cam comeback. 2019 Fiesta Bowl. I had to throw my Clemson Tigers up there again. And then uh, yeah, 2015 Michigan Michigan State. That was the Sean McDonough voice crack uh, blocked <laughs> punt. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's my list it. of kind of honorable mentions. Yeah, no, I'm right there. Um, love the list. Also, I mean, I. Not trying to always lean in this category, but last year's Alabama Tennessee game was a big thriller. I thought about putting uh, that on there. Yeah, I mean yeah. that was just you know, it was 15 straight for Bama against Tennessee there, um, so that that was a big one. Also the uh, 2013 there with Florida State and Auburn. Um, oh yeah, well, I guess you'd say 2014 and the actual you know was played, but that championship. Um, that was a solid one there as well, but I think your list did a good job of covering them. Um, so, yeah, we, we've got some stacked games, and, man, just love college football. It's fun to go down and talk about the the best this game has got to offer us over it is. the years. Exactly, and to look ahead to what we get this year. So we've talked a lot of football, done some good preview work. What's on your college football Christmas wish list this year, Dan? I want to see – we referenced 07. I want to see some madness. Me too. I have That's what I have written down here. I'm a little chaos. I think we could get it. I think we really could. It feels like there's going to be a lot of parody this year. Yeah, I like it. Is, is that your kind of broad scale? You, want, you just want madness? 
I just want I want madness and chaos, and I want some bad blood between some of these schools that are leaving conferences and leaving other programs behind. Like I want to see Oregon State just like give it to like USC or something like that. I don't know, like just out for blood. Like how could you do this to us? Yeah, and we're gonna leave you with a lasting memory type deal. Exactly. Oh, I like it. Yeah, along those lines, I put down a specific bit of chaos, you know, a little bit of sicko, um, which I know will resonate with your heart. Um, like, I really <laughs> want to see a Pac-12 team make the playoff. Yes. Because it's just not been – just, nope, not happening. Since 2016. Since 2016. And then the, this year, before it all goes away, I just want to see it just like, yeah, well, you had it. You know, and then it all goes away. I think we're going to get one. I, th- I think we're going to get one. It's a good shot. It's a really good shot between those top four. Um, yeah. And then I, people are going to get so sick of hearing about Georgia stuff. But on my wish list, I mean, uh, like Santa, please, it, the three-peat. I, I just want the three-peat. I know a lot of people don't want the three-peat, but I want the three-peat real bad. I want beat Florida State, South Carolina, and I don't care about anything else. So you guys could go – Two, two and, and ten. ten. I'm fine with that. One hundred percent happy with that. Just well, you would also kind of derail any hopes they have this year. So yeah, that'd be great. All right, man. Well, Dan, I tell you what, this is fun, but man, we have got college football here in full force this week. Um, when this drops, will likely be Wednesday, so tomorrow night, our future selves. We'll be able to witness some good primetime football. And, and uh, gosh, just it feels like Christmas. Best time of the year. 100%. I'm so ready for this weekend. I'm so ready for big college football on my TV again. I just can't wait. Exactly. I've been debating on trying to expand to two TVs over this college football season. Oh, now, I, I don't know if that's going to fly with, with the Mrs. <laughs> but just put it know. on your college football Christmas wish list. Then it counts, right? Yeah. Like if, I, if I wish for it, if I if I write a letter to Santa, hundred percent, because we can't like our daughter can't not know that Santa's not real. So I'm like, well, is it Santa or is it Greg Sankey? Um, it's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. Oh, I think Santa's a little more jolly than Greg Sankey. I oh, love yeah. him, but he's always looking a little cranky. Oh, cranky Sankey. Greg cranky. <laughs> Greg we, Cranky. We need to go to bed. With that, <laughs> we're going to call it for the night. Um, thank you guys for hanging with us. Uh, we've thoroughly enjoyed it. Let us know your hot takes for this season, who you've got as big winners this year. Um, yeah, I mean, we're going to just enjoy every minute of it and looking forward to talking about it with you more next week. So we'll catch you guys next time.